good singing this morning. What a joy it is to worship with you today. Today we continue our study answering that question, who is the Holy Spirit? And we have found ourselves in the midst of several things that are related in our study. Those who are controlled by the Spirit are going to manifest certain things. And those things certainly are what the Scripture calls the fruit of the Spirit. So to understand the Spirit's ministry to us and the power that He has to bring about needed change and to manifest certain things in our life, we're going to study through the fruit of the Spirit together. And today we are in this study and we find ourselves with the topic of peace, that those who are controlled by the Spirit will manifest peace. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. We've talked about love and joy, and today we look at peace. As we consider peace and what is happening in our hearts and lives, someone put it this way, the war is over. The alienation and divine displeasure toward us because of our sin has been removed. We are no longer objects of wrath. We have peace with God, whether we realize it or not. However, to the extent that we understand and believe the truth regarding justification, we will experience a subjective peace, that is, a sense of peace within our souls. We will know that we have been bought from a state of condemnation and the prospect of eternal judgment into a state of forgiveness and favor with God. So this quote points out to us those, those two compartments of peace that we often talk about. When we talk about peace, there are two things that are relative to that discussion. You have the peace with God, which is what the first part of our quote talks about, that we are no longer objects of God's wrath, that Jesus paid the penalty for our sin, and in doing so, he completely satisfied God's wrath against our sin. And that allows us then to be at peace with God. But then there is also something that we experience in our hearts and something that we get to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in order to know. And that is the peace of God. We're at peace with him concerning our sin and salvation from it and eternity in heaven with him. But every day can be a battle when it comes to what we call subjective peace, can't it? Do we have peace right now in our hearts? Or has something shaken us? Has something pushed peace out of our heart? Does that change the fact that we have peace with God? No. But we may not be experiencing the peace of God today because we have allowed something to replace that peace with anger, with bitterness, with fear, or maybe even with anxiety or anything else that could be robbing us of our peace that we've allowed to rule in our hearts. Someone else put it this way, peace should be a hallmark of the godly person. First, because it is a godlike trait. God is called the God of peace several times in the New Testament. He took the initiative to establish peace with rebellious men and he is the author of both personal peace as well as peace among men. Peace should be part of our character also because God has promised us his peace. 
because he has commanded us to let peace rule in our lives and relationships, and because peace is a fruit of the Spirit and therefore an evidence of his working in our lives. So if we came this morning and there's something in our hearts beside peace and something has crowded it out, we know that we have some work to do, right? It's an indicator to us that we are not really relating to or even trusting God like we should. Because peace is a fruit of the Spirit, we are dependent upon the Spirit's work in our lives to produce the desire and the means to pursue peace. But we are also responsible to use the means that He has given us and to take all practical steps to attain both peace within and peace with others. And those who are controlled by the Spirit, those who are filled with the Spirit, dominated by the Spirit, submitted to the Spirit, will manifest peace. Today I want to draw our attention back to the text that was read for us earlier from Philippians chapter 4. And if you want to find your places there again, I would like to read that passage again and then talk about it with you for our remaining time. I have a few thoughts to share with you that I think define the pathway to peace, and we're going to talk about that from this passage. I'm going to begin reading in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I loved and longed for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Judea and I plead with Sentech to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. As a result, what does the scripture say? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. There are some key words that you'll find in your handout today that we're going to talk about. You have some white space there, and I encourage you just to jot down things as they're meaningful to you. Uh, don't worry if you miss something. That's not the point this morning. Just write down what God speaks to you about, and, and we'll pursue this pathway of peace together. But from our passage, I see, first of all, that this pathway to peace must include a decision. We have to make a decision to look at this passage and to apply it in our life and to really obey an imperative command that is stated in the text. In fact, we find it uh, very clearly stated in verse number six. It, it really is a command to us. It really is an imperative statement to us. Do not be anxious. It's a decision that we make. It's a command that we have to obey. 
It really is a decision, quite frankly, and very simply stated, to choose faith over fear. That's really what we're being called to do. You do not be anxious. Make this decision that this is going to be the way that you live, that you are going to consistently and constantly choose faith over fear. Now, the question is, how do we do that? Let me share with you just a few things this morning. These might be some of the things that you would jot down in your white space today. What are those things? First of all, I want us to understand this. Our confidence is in God. We must understand where our confidence should be placed. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. Listen to this. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. If we are going to make this decision to not be anxious about anything in life and choose faith over fear consistently, we must understand our confidence. We can have confidence in God through Christ. We have to understand and know, and this, this is why we, we spent some time earlier in, in this year and will continue probably on into next year talking about what it is that we believe and why. Because I'm telling you, if you know who God is and you understand what you believe about God and why you believe that about God, whenever you come to a command like this that solely rests in your understanding of God and your ability to trust God, all of that theology that you know is going to pay off when you make it practical. But without that knowledge, you don't even know where to go when anxiety comes. You don't even understand who God is, what you believe about God, or why you believe about whatever it is about God. And so if you don't understand that and know that, when the test comes, when the trial comes, when the difficulty comes, your confidence is going to be shaken and you will choose fear over faith instead of choosing faith over fear. We must make this decision based upon what we know and believe about God. And we must know why we believe these things about God so that nothing will shake our foundation. Otherwise, we're going to be tossed to and fro and find ourselves very inconsistent. Understand your confidence. Secondly, in making this decision, it also involves cooperating with the Spirit to develop the strength to endure anxiety. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 3 says this, Consider him, Jesus, who endured such opposition for sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Looking to Jesus as our example and allowing the Holy Spirit to develop that same strength in us that we see in Jesus to pursue our calling and to do it with faith and not fear. Making that decision to cooperate with the growth that the Holy Spirit can bring to us. Everyone has fears. Your problem isn't that you are afraid. It's what you do with the fear that really matters. Jesus selflessly walked through immense pain to get to the cross. When we are training, that's the attitude that we are to adopt. 
Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. So the moment that something crowds peace out of our hearts, fear, anxiety, we have a decision to make. We can cooperate with the Spirit during that time, who has allowed this thing into our lives, by the way, for the purpose of making us stronger so that we can endure it and have God's peace in our hearts through the anxious, fearful time. We can do it just as Jesus did it. He set the example for us. So the fear really isn't our problem. It's the decision that we make when the fear comes. Don't forget the promise. Do not fear, I am with you. Understand your confidence, cooperate with the Spirit. Here's the third thing about making this decision. Submit to God's sovereignty and rest in His immutability. Psalm 146, 7 and 8 says, The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down, and the Lord loves the righteous. God is in control. You see, the same God who sets prisoners free allowed the prisoners to be captive to begin with. The same God who opens the eyes of the blind allowed those to be blinded to begin with. And the same, those, the same God who lifts those up who are bowed down allowed them to be taken low to begin with. All of that is under God's control. And as he allows the times that test us into our life, he also has the power and the ability to bring us out of them. And he never changes. These are words of antiquity from the book of Psalms, but they are still true today. Rest in his sovereignty. Understand that whatever it is that is crowding the faith out of your heart and crowding the peace out of your heart is, is being allowed by God and is completely under his control and that he has the power to deliver you from it in his time. And knowing that he's going to keep you there just as long as he has appointed for you to be there. No longer, no less. Submit to his sovereignty. Don't see these times as obstacles, but see them as opportunities. That's what God intends them to be. Submit to that plan. It will help with peace in your heart. Here's the fourth thing involved in making this decision. Develop deep relationships with God's people. We don't want to forget that. We have been focused solely on God as we answer this question, how do I make this decision, as we should be. And part of that equation must be our deep relationships with God's people. Why? Well, because of verses like Galatians 6.10. What does it say there? Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. How many times has God used a brother or sister in Christ in your life to help restore peace in your heart. It happens all the time, or at least it should. We should have deep relationships with God's people with whom we can be transparent and feel the deepest hurts in our soul so that God can use them to minister grace and comfort to, their, to our hearts that they have already experienced from him and restore the peace in our own hearts as a result. Now, God is capable of doing it without people, but he's told us clearly that he hit part of his design is to use our brothers and sisters in Christ in this way. 
And if we're not relating deeply with God's people, we will forfeit this ministry of grace and peace in our existence. We shouldn't do that. Develop deep relationships with God's people. One of the ways that you can do that in our church family is through our life group ministry. It, it takes you beyond the rows in the worship center and puts you in circles where you can relate with people and build deep relationships. And part of the benefit and value to you is you'll have people who can help carry your burdens. You, in turn, can also help carry theirs. The pathway to peace includes this decision. Choose faith over fear. It involves something else. God is asking for a commitment here. And we continue to read the passage, and what do we find? Do not be anxious. There's the decision. Here's the commitment about anything. There's no exceptions here. There's not an escape clause that we, we if, if God doesn't say, do not be anxious only if you don't get put in this situation. No. It applies to all situations in life, but Yet in our own thoughts, in our own hearts, what happens to us? We get put in a place where we think that somehow it transcends God's peace. We, there's no way we can have peace, and so we give in to our fears and our anxieties and our anger and our bitterness, and God's peace escapes us because we're not committed to pursuing it in every circumstance. Choose faith over fear every time, all the time. That's what we're supposed to do, committed to this. It is a decision that we may have to renew daily. It's probably not a decision that we decide at a point in time in the past that's good for everything that comes. It, for some of us and most of us, maybe all of us, it's going to be a daily struggle that we have to show some commitment to. You see, we must rest in God, His omnipotence. Nothing that you are going through is bigger or stronger than God. Nothing. Rest in his omnipotence. I think his omniscience comes into play here too. Nothing is smarter than God in your life right now. Nothing is going to outfox him. Nothing is going to be able to fool him. Rest comfortably in him. He is omniscient. And what about his omnipresence? We are always in his presence. You know, I go back to the verses that we read earlier that clearly showed us and reminded us that God is always with us. Isaiah 41.10, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Only a God that was everywhere all of the time could make such a promise. And we have that God. Commit yourself to this every day. Choose faith over fear. Choose God's peace over fear every time, all of the time. Well, there is a third thing that's involved in this pathway to peace, and I call it communication. We have decision and we have commitment but there's also some communication that has to take place as we pursue peace. And what am I talking about? Well, verse 6 spells that out very clearly. Don't be anxious. Make this decision. Be committed to this decision about anything. Instead of being anxious in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. 
There's the communication that has to take place. Now, this is not saying that you can't communicate with other people, right? You can talk to other people. That's part of bearing one another's burdens. But, but the, the primary communication that needs to take place as we are pursuing this pathway to peace in all the circumstances of life means that we have to communicate with God. That's the primary. That needs to be strong and vibrant. That needs to be our go-to. That needs to be the first response to any situation that is pushing peace out and wants to replace it with fear and anxiety. Anxiety. And is that true of us? That's the question that we need to wrestle with today. How vibrant and strong is our prayer life? And as I have encouraged you before, I want to encourage you again to go beyond, right, praying for just basic needs or for people to escape the hurt and the suffering that they're in, to actually praying also about the substance of spiritual growth that needs to take place in our lives and in the hearts and lives of other people so that they can understand and know God's peace. How do you pray for someone who's terminally ill? How do you pray for them? I hope that part of our prayer for them is that they would know and grow in God's peace. That God would teach them in their suffering and in their difficulty and all of the sorrow that comes with that, walking through that valley, that even in that valley they can know God's peace. That we spend time, that we invest time in praying for them to that end. It's not hopeless and it's not helpless because this life is not the end. There is much more beyond this life. And if we believe that and know that, we can have peace in that valley that is ultimately going to end in loss. We can have peace in that valley. Pray to God. Become a prayer warrior. Don't be content with an anemic prayer life. I think that our enablement and even our ability to know the peace of God in these circumstances is going to be directly related to how dedicated we are and how powerful our prayer life is. Do we have a consistent prayer life? Well, we have some words here that I want to break down in the text to help us understand what this communication should look like. The first word, of course, is prayer. In every situation, by prayer. That is simply talk to God. We pray to him. And don't forget that. Don't forget to whom you pray. There's an assurance and a peace that comes from that. You're not just talking to anybody. You're not just uttering prayers out of repetition and, and vain tradition. No, you're talking to God. That's the difference between Christianity and all of the other world religions. We're talking directly to God, and Jesus made the way for us to do that. So when I pray, don't forget the audience. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever allow that to become stale or mundane to you. You are talking to the God of the universe. Prayer, that's what prayer is. There's a second word that's used here, isn't there? It's the word petition by prayer and petition. I like what one writer said about this. He said, this means to simply just pour out your heart to God. You just ask him, you make your, whatever it is you need, you pour out your heart to God, your petition, and you just lay it all out there. You're just honest with him. And you might be saying, well, I don't really know what that looks like. 
Well, a very good place to go to see what that looks like is just to start reading the Psalms. You want to see someone who just laid it all out there, look at what David wrote in the Psalms. And God knows it anyway, we might as well tell him, right? We can't hide it from him. And he wants to hear, he wants to hear our frustrations. He wants to hear our anger. He wants to take all that and replace it with his peace. You know, we talk about venting, right? We go find somebody and we just vent to them. We got to be careful with that. That's not always healthy for us. And it's not always healthy for the person that we're talking to. I mean, we could really just decimate somebody, can't we? We go vent to somebody. We tell them all of our stuff, right? And we could, we could destroy them if we're not careful. God is indestructible. He's okay with the vent session. He wants to hear from us. He wants us to pour out our hearts to him. He already knows what's in there anyway. And if there's anything in what we say that needs to be fixed, he will be certain to show us what that is as we relate to him. But if we're not talking to him, and if we're not reading his word, he's never going to have the opportunity to grow us as we vent and as we pour out our hearts to him. Again, if you want to see examples of that from a biblical perspective, read through the Psalms. Many of them contain just what we're talking about here today. Do that. God can pour his peace into you as you pour out your heart to him. Well, there's a third word here in this communication that helps us to understand what it should look like. It's prayer, it's petition, and there is also thanksgiving. Now, why is that here? Well, I think it's here because it's another choice that we have to make. I think what it's saying to us is choose to be thankful no matter what the outcome or answer. Be thankful because God's at work. We want God's peace. Should God's peace in our hearts be dependent on our circumstances? All of us would say no. Okay, then. As we pray and we pour out our heart to God and we make known to him our desires and where we're at emotionally and mentally and spiritually and maybe even physically, what if his answer isn't exactly what we think will help us? What are we going to do with that? Become anxious, fearful, bitter, angry? We can't do that. We have to go into this thing with an attitude of thanksgiving. We have to choose to be thankful no matter what the outcome or answer. If you don't make that choice, God's peace will escape you. It will happen. In fact, some of us already know that because we have found ourselves there. We talk to him. We pour out our hearts to him. He doesn't answer how we think he should or how we want him to. And thankfulness escapes us and something else crowds out his peace in us. It happens. Don't fall prey to that. Here's the fourth thing about communication. The word present. Prayer, petition, thanksgiving, present your requests to God. This is also a command. It's an imperative statement in, in the Greek language. And it also has the idea of repetition. The tense that is used for this particular word is not a one-time thing. It is a continual thing. It means that we're to constantly go to him and constantly present to him our requests, pouring out our heart to him consistently and constantly. And it's not just a suggestion, but God says, I want you to do this. So God desires that we, with repetition, bring our requests. Don't ever stop. This is the key to peace. Don't ever stop. Present your requests to him all the time. 
There's never a time it's inappropriate for you to come to God and communicate with him about what is trying to crowd his peace out of your heart. He is such a gracious God. He is such a kind God. He's never going to scold us for coming or make fun of us because we just can't do it on our own. He knows all of that, and his design is he built us to need him. He wants us to come to him. No shame in that. He receives us with open arms every time, all of the time. Communicate with him. All right, there's a fourth word as we bring our time to a close today. I've called it reception. There are some things, there's this thing that we have to receive. It's a work of God. It's beyond ourselves. It's, it's the result of us doing what was talked about previous, of making the decision, committing to it every time, all the time, communicating with God. And then something happens. We are then, at this moment, the passive recipients of the peace of God. We can't work up God's peace, we don't fabricate God's peace, and we don't bring God's peace to our life and our heart. It comes from God as a result of the decision and the commitment and the communication. It is a work of God through the Spirit, not us. And the peace of God, look at verse 7 which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Have you ever seen that kind of peace in someone else? And have you ever experienced that kind of peace yourself? It transcends all understanding. When the wheels are coming off in your life and you still have the peace of God in your heart, that transcends all understanding because that is supernatural. That is not the way human beings on their own operate. It is different than status quo, humanly speaking. It transcends maybe even our own understanding that when we look at the situation, we don't even know how it is that we are able to have God's peace because life is so difficult. Receive the peace that comes from being satisfied with God's answer and timing and just rest there. Rest there. That's where peace is found. You developing a satisfaction for what God is doing. You don't make demands of God to do things the way that you want to do, therefore making his peace conditional on your circumstances. No. You receive the peace that comes from being satisfied with God's answers and God's timing, with the work that God is doing. As we pour out our hearts and our petition on a consistent and constant basis, God may answer us literally. He does that sometimes, doesn't he? And maybe those are the most fun answers to our prayers that we get. It's like, ah, oh, it's really cool. I had this need. I prayed to God, and he provided exactly, exactly what I needed. Nothing less, nothing more. He literally answered my prayer. Has God ever do that? Maybe you have a story about that. We'd love to hear those sometime. Those are good stories to tell at our Thanksgiving service. Well, there's another way that God answers. He may refuse to grant our petition. When we're in a moment that is pushing us outside of the realm of his peace in our heart, that really is pressing us to allow something else to rule, like anxiety, and God doesn't grant our petition we pray for something, 
and God does not give it to us because he has another plan. What do we do with that? Peace in our heart should not depend on that. He may send something different than what was requested. Has life ever been bad and you prayed? I said, God, I really need you to do something with this. And then it got worse. Has that ever happened? And then maybe it got a little more worse after that. And maybe it got a lot worse. God's doing something. We have to rest in his plan. We have to submit to his sovereignty, even if he sends something different from what was requested. And we can still have his peace if we trust him. <laughs> he may answer us gradually. Has he ever done that to you? Just kind of, he gives us a little bit maybe of what we asked for. Not a lot, not too much, just a little bit. And then maybe a little more, and maybe a little more. Gradual answers are something that God does. And then he may just delay altogether. You may think that, you may think that the windows of heaven have been shut because you're just not hearing from God. You just don't know what he's going to do. He's, maybe you can't see that he's doing anything and he's delaying. But even in the delay and what we perceive to be silence, he's still teaching. And he still wants us to increase our faith and to trust him even more and rest in his peace even more. Some of us like to rush ahead to the next thing. And I think God delays for us on purpose sometimes to just say, hey, chill out. It's not all about you and what you want to accomplish. Just hit the pause button. Be still and know that I am God, he might say to some of us. Those of us who need to learn that lesson and learn it well. So my encouragement to you is to make this decision and to be committed to it and to communicate with God through it and then at the end of it receive this peace that comes from being satisfied with God's answers and timing in all the ways that he may answer us. Our peace does not have to depend on that. You see, God can work peace through us if he has worked peace in us. Those who are in the best of circumstances but without God can never find peace. But those in the worst of circumstances with God need never lack peace. If God be our God, he will give us peace in trouble. When there is a storm without, he will make peace within. The world can create troubles in peace, but God can create peace in trouble. And we have seen today that while that peace doesn't depend on us, we do have something to do with it. We have a decision to make. Let us do so in a way that brings his peace to our hearts. Father, thank you for our time as we close our gathering and responsively worship together, we're going to sing about leaning on you and your everlasting arms. Help this to ring true in our hearts. May it encourage each one of us as we leave this time together. And may those who are struggling with peace today find it in you and by being satisfied with you. In Jesus' name, amen.